podcast contains adult content suitable for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Out of the darkness and into the fire. Welcome, my dear travelers, to the morbid forest. didn't even notice you up there. What are you doing in that web, my dear traveler? Larry, did you put one of our travelers in your web? Larry, we talked about this. You can't wrap the travelers up in your web. We're ushering them to their correct course, not saving them for a nibble later. Good. Now bring them down. Sorry about that. Sometimes Larry gets overly excited about newcomers. At least he didn't use the thread from the roots of the plant. Mortem floor. I sat in the last pew of the viewing room wondering what sequence of events led me to attending a funeral for a man I didn't know. The room was filled with attendees in their finest black attire, the sight causing my fingers to fidget with the sleeves of my pink paisley cardigan I matched with slacks and a crisp white tee. The only thing more out of place than myself were the abundant amount of red flowers within the room. A bright crimson plant with thin spindly spider legs and a nest of red petals in the center. It looked like a brain trapped by a thin cage, the sight making me shudder. Arrangements of these spider flowers marched down every aisle, greeted the mourners at the door, and even encircled the open casket. Normal funerals, at least I suspected normal funerals, had flowers just near the casket. Mostly lilies arranged in bulky arches and crosses with well-wishing banners, but not in this funeral home. I made a mental note to Google the significance of red flowers at a funeral. Perhaps they were a family request. Ms. Roberts? I jolted against my wooden seat to discover a tight-lipped man standing at the opening of the pew. He smiled, but with an amount of annoyance that thudded my pulse higher in my ear. Yes? Mrs. Whitlock will see you now, if you would follow me. Without saying if I would follow, the man spun on his heels and exited the viewing room. I didn't hesitate and scuttled awkwardly from the pew after him. He led me down a hallway also lined with those red flowers. So not a family request, perhaps. 
As we neared the end of the hall, he rapped on a partially cracked open door, and a light voice beckoned us inside. He pushed the door open, but didn't step inside. I have Ms. Roberts here for you. Thank you, Abel. Please go and continue making sure our guests today have everything they need. The voice beyond the door called. With a nod to the voice, he hustled away, dismissing me as if I were the paint on the walls. His attitude making me feel I should resume scouring the classifieds again. Miss Roberts? Oh, um, yes. Hi. I moved into the room, trying to regain some of my professional air. I didn't have any other job prospects, and while taking a crack at the wanted ads again was appealing, it was also cowardice. Not everyone was going to like you, April, I chided, and stepped into the room. I didn't know what to expect from a funeral director and small-town mortician, but it wasn't a Japanese ballerina with kind Hershey-kissed eyes and blood-red lips. Please, Miss Roberts, have a seat. Thank you. We shook hands briefly, her grip surprisingly firm, and settled into the offered seat. So, Miss Roberts... Please, April is just fine. (laughs) April, then... And you may call me Bianca. Tell me, what brings you to Ivywood? I didn't want to be honest. The truth, too basic and embarrassing. So I settled for spun truth. I wanted a change of scenery. City life just wasn't for me anymore. Understandable. Well, you'll find that even for a small town, Ivywood can still be quite lively Do you have any experience working with the dead in mourning? Yes, a little, actually. I worked as a coroner's assistant back home. Excellent. You'll find this to be less gruesome, but equally as tragic. We do our best to offer the residents here peace of mind when they bring their loved ones to us. For now, myself and Abel have managed just fine, but as I'm sure you're aware, Times are changing, even in small towns like ours. For now, we need someone to manage the phones, calendar, and cemetery arrangements. As we grow more confident in your skills, we may graduate you to guest preparations. Guest preparation? We like to think of all our souls who pass through these doors as honored guests. I'm sure you noticed the LaCourse Radiata when you stepped into the funeral home. Oh, yes, the red flower. Red magic lily, or what my ancestors called the final goodbye. I am a fourth generation American and mortician. The red magic lily is a traditional funeral flower in my family's native village. It was thought the flower guided the dead to their next rebirth. While I am unsure how true that may be, it is less gloomy than the traditional funeral lily. It also keeps pesky critters off the cemetery grounds. I nodded in understanding, appreciating both the personal touch to the funeral home and the lore. I saw the flower in a new light, regardless of its creepy limbs. It's amazing to establish such a history here, and for the town to embrace it. I couldn't imagine all small towns were so accommodating to outsiders, I thought to myself. Abel's face flashed in my mind as the thought finished forming. 
I guess there always had to be an exception to the rule. Hmm, yes. Miss Whitlock seemed to drift in thought for a moment before returning back to the present. Well, I think we can start off with a few days a week and go from there. How does that sound? I wasn't one to look a gift horse in the mouth. With a few final details, Bianca sent me on my way, but to report back at 8 a.m. the following morning. I made a pit stop at Ivy Wood's only market before heading home to my small but quaint studio apartment. The town of Ivy Wood was right out of a fairy tale landscape painting. One minute I was driving along a bland highway, and the next bend I was surrounded by lush shrubbery, all of which were entangled in copious arms of ivy, hence the town name. Ivy seemed to blanket every surface of the small town without venturing out of its limits. Odd, but it wasn't far-fetched to employ a landscaping company to keep the ivy thriving and within the bounds of the town for aesthetic purposes. The town consisted of the basics. Main Street housed the majority of the town's necessities, including my studio apartment. Branches of suburbia fanned out from the main hub like the ivy engulfing the town. The cemetery and the funeral home set on the outskirts atop a hill sentinels guarding both the town and its dead. I took the stairs two at a time, my groceries secured snugly to my hip. With a twist of the wrist and a push of my other hip, I entered my new abode. It wasn't much. A bed, a futon, a kitchenette, and a tiny bathroom. I set the groceries down and checked my messages as I shucked my jacket onto the futon. I sighed. There was one new voicemail, and I knew who the caller was before my finger hit play. Hey, April, look, I know we both said some things, but I just... I didn't let him finish, my finger pressing down too hard on the delete button. Unbidden tears welled behind my eyes before I could command them. Yes, breakups aren't easy, but breakups with narcissistic, manipulative assholes are even worse. I took a moment to fill my lungs with a calming breath before releasing it slowly. Joey was back there, and you are here. He can't do anything to you anymore. Time to start becoming the new you you always wanted and he never allowed you to be. You have a new home, a new job. Things are already looking up. The first few weeks at Ivy Wood Mortuary were unremarkable. Granted, I thought there were more deaths in one tiny town than necessary, but the town was populated by a large boomer population, and I was probably just being ageist. Besides, who was I to judge when a person's time was up? However, I have learned at a young age, with all good things, you must withstand the bad. It was a particularly busy Wednesday morning and I was already behind on my daily task when April rushed through the doors of the main office. Oh, April, thank God you're here. I need you to run Mrs. Sharfield up to the cemetery. I accidentally triple booked, and I can't prep the next two viewings and escort Mrs. Sharfield. But I thought you were able to do it all, I jeered. 
It was the first snarky joke the man made at me when I first started, and he deemed me worthy of his attention. April, I am always able and willing to get the job done. I don't know why Miss Bianca requires your assistance as well. Typical male ego barf. April huffed, clearly not liking my joke. We don't have time for your shenanigans, April. Can you please just go to the cemetery and oversee things? I suppressed an eye roll. Yes, yes, I'll go now. I grabbed my jacket and keys to the hearse and then rushed out of the office before Abel could say more to me. I hadn't the slightest clue what was up his tail skirts in regards to me. And with the next phase of my breakup recovery in full swing, anger, I honestly could give a rat's ass. The drive to the cemetery was a short journey. Two short turns, and then I was on a smooth paved access way through the cemetery. Twinning ivy ran rampant among the grave sites, their curling speckled fingers caressing the tops of each tombstone head. Through the splotches of ivy, I spotted beacons of red peeking through the skirts of ivy. The red spider lilies wept freely on the grounds as if this was their native home. I shuddered. The flower's presence twisting my stomach. Aside from that, it was a run-of-the-mill graveyard. I pulled over in front of a sullen group, assuming this is where Miss Shackle needed to be. I stepped out, moving swiftly to the back of the hearse, allowing them access to their deceased loved one. A few men stepped forward and hoisted the casket from the back. The crowd parted as the men settled the casket on their shoulders. The observers, now the ushers, parading Miss Sheffield to her final resting place. It was beautifully sad, and I felt my chest caving inward as the casket slowly sunk below the earth. Don't feel bad for them. They do it to themselves. A rusty voice stated behind me. I turned in surprise, finding an elderly gentleman with a shovel and a sour expression standing next to the driver's side door. Death is a sad thing. Someone could hardly stop themselves from feeling for those that are left behind, I said in reply. The man huffed and laughed before doubling over with a smoker's cough. When he recovered, he glared at me as if I were a petulant child. Selling your soul to the devil would have been easier than uh, what this lot has done. I stared at him quizzically, but he simply stared back as if I should inherently know what he was rambling about. Best be on your way, miss. Graveyard is no place to be at night. And uh, let me give you some advice. I'd quit that job of yours and leave town as soon as possible. This ain't no place to move folks. With a nod, the grave attendant ambled toward his duty, leaving me more disturbed than when I arrived. The grave attendant's words swelled the drain of my mind for the days to follow. On a particularly slow morning, I took to the internet casually browsing the history of the secluded town. Nothing of note jumped out at me from the computer screen, but a nagging feeling I was missing the bigger picture remained. I even engaged in more small talk with the townsfolk on my coffee and errand runs, attempting to uncover the attendant's disdain for the mortuary owner and town at large. 
but the reviews I received were nothing short of extraordinary. If anything, those who bothered to chat with me claimed the old man was out of his mind, or simply cranky as an old lonely man gets at that age. Still, was it not odd not a single soul felt a mild dislike or indifference towards Miss Whitlock? Perhaps my terrible breakup was jading my mind. A product of an insufferable man I was too blind to notice was insufferable. A man who still called every night to beg for reconciliation or curse my name. It was late into the evening when I climbed the worn stairs to my apartment. I was exhausted and dreamt of a hot bubble bath, tea, and a good book after this grueling week. The grave attendant, whose name I learned was Andy, had taken the week off for what I could only assume was a much-needed vacation. His absence backed up our schedule so much we had to rebook quite a few burials. Between manning the phones, cleaning, and constant setup, I was surprised I was still on my feet by Friday evening. I reached into my purse for my keys and then cursed when I came up empty. I dropped to my knees and deposited the contents of my purse on my welcome mat, hoping I'd just slip them into a different compartment. No such luck. With a groan, I heaved myself back onto my aching feet, down the stairs, and back to the funeral home. I trudged up the short drive to the funeral home, berating myself the entire way to the front door. I yanked the door handle, but was met with resistance. Of course it would be locked, April. Not like they would leave it open after hours for anyone to just waltz right in. I began to pull out my phone to call Abel when I remembered our service entrance. It was normally unlocked for any late-night drop-offs. No harm in checking before I called in the cavalry. I jogged to the rear entrance, and just so luck would have it, the service entrance was unlocked. The funeral home was draped in darkness as I slunk through the halls. During the daylight hours, it was an ordinary building. However, in the dark, my pulse hiccuped and my nerves quivered. By the time I reached the desk, I was gulping down air faster than a fish out of water. Gotcha. I snatched the keys from the desk, nearly whooping in triumph. Tucking them into my pocket for safekeeping, I retreated down the hall, ecstatic to finally be heading home. As I passed a corridor, a loud thud floated to my ears, halting my progress. Was someone here? Hello? I kicked myself. Good job, April. If it were a murderer, you just gave away your location. However, after a beat, the darkness did not reply. Okay, maybe it was nothing, I amended. Just the building settling. Exhaling, my foot rose to carry me home. When the darkness spoke once more, I gulped. I'm not a brave person, but shouldn't I check it out? Make sure someone isn't stealing bodies? I shuddered at the thought, but found my feet heading in the direction of the noise. I crept down the hall, my legs trembling 
with each inch closer to my destination. Another thud raised my shoulders past my ears like a marionette. My eyes frantically scanned the sparsely lit hall, but there was nothing for me to grab in case I needed to fend someone off. I pulled my keys from my pocket, tucking the cool metal between my fingers to create a dull blade. While I was sure my keys would cause more damage than a butter knife, it was more a matter if I was willing to use them if someone was committing some untoward act I caught them in. A restrained whimper escaped my butterfly lips as another thud bounded forward. The noise was coming from the embalming room. The soft light of the room leaked from the crack under the door so faintly I hadn't noticed from the mouth of the corridor. I had yet to venture into that room. Another aspect of my job I was all too happy to avoid until absolutely necessary. I suppose it was necessary now. I pulled myself tall and pushed the door open. I don't know what I was expecting to find. A fully animated corpse complete with top hat and dancing cane was preferable to the sight that greeted me from within. Red tendrils webbed through the room, pulsing and convulsing with agitated life. A wet suckling and mewling drew my attention deeper into the room. My keys clattered to the floor as bile coated the base of my tongue. In the corner of the room, suspended along the rippling tendrils, was Bianca. However, she was not human. Her long black hair fell in a curtain around her delicate face. She was naked. Her funeral lily-white skin shining like an abnormal star above me. Her pale sternum dipped low to merge with the black widow abdomen. Eight fur-lined appendages sprouted from her thorax and bulbous abdomen, each twitching and undulating along the thread-thin web. Her arms wrapped around someone in a possessive lover's embrace. Her mouth fastened tightly to their lips as they withered and moaned in her pearl arms. But the small trickle of blood escaping from her lips yanked me from my frozen state. I screamed. Bianca, no, the spider creature, dropped the person she was holding, blood dripping from her curved things down to her narrow chin. Involuntarily, my eyes drifted to the prone body on the floor. Andy's sunken face stared back at me. His neck twisted like an owl, but instead of a who parting his lips, a silent scream lay plastered on his frozen face. I ran screaming, my banshee well guaranteed to wake the town and the next one over. Heavy scuttling pursued my flight, only propelling my legs harder to escape this living nightmare. It can't be real. It can't be real. A figure stepped from the shadows who I recognized instantly. Abel. Thank the stars above. Abel. His name fell from my lips with wailing relief. But my relief was short-lived. I didn't notice the empty urn held fast in his hand before it was too late. The urn collided with the corner of my brow, ringing my head like a temple gong and plunging me into darkness. 
bright light seeped under my eyelids, forcing me to pry them open. My head sang with agony, and I moved to raise my hand to soothe the ache, but they didn't budge. I looked down to discover my arms, legs, and torso had been strapped to one of the still embalming tables in the preparation room. I began to scream, thrashing my exhausted limbs against their cage, but I was too tightly bound to move. I was a fly caught in a spider's nest, a meal yet to be savored. Settle down, April. You will injure yourself further. Bianca's voice floated to me from the open door, Abel smirking over her shoulder. My thrashing turned into full-body convulsions as my mind accepted the truth of my situation. Uncontrollable fear leaked with a steady stream of tears down my face. Bianca's eyes softened, and she stepped further into the room. Her spider body was gone, replaced with her human shell. I whimpered as she stopped by my side her delicate fingers gently pushing a stray hair from my face. I am going to give you a choice, April. One not presented to many who venture into Ivywood. Like I told you before, I am a fourth generation mortician for the town. It hasn't always been easy, but when you are at the top of the food chain, things tend to come easier. But it doesn't need to be a difficult relationship. I help those who have lived their lives into their next. Not violently, but with a small dose of my venom, they drift into the world beyond. In return, I'm allowed to feed on their decaying corpse. I'm sure you have wondered about my choice of flowers. They feed on my dead, and I harvest and feed on the flowers and the collected remains of the departed. Do you understand? I nodded, too afraid to speak. Good. My ancestors gave the same choice to the townspeople that I give you now. Stay and prosper. Or... She didn't need to continue. I already knew what the or was, but could I do it? Could I give my future death to this creature? The door to the funeral clicked shut, drawing my attention to the screen in front of me. Pale blue eyes found mine, and my chest squeezed, but only slightly. Not in shame, but in weary anticipation. Hey, April. I'm glad you finally decided to answer my calls. You know, I wouldn't have found you all the way out here if you hadn't. Joey smiled his shit-eating grin, flipping my stomach. However, I smiled in return coming around the corner to greet him. Yes, well, I thought it was time to settle things. I'm glad to hear it. So, this is where you work. I nodded, taking in the funeral home with new appreciation. I figured before we go for a drink, you could meet my boss, Miss Whitlock. 
I'm sure she's going to love you. This has been a Morbid Forest production. On this week's episode, you've heard Mortem Floor, written by Naomi Richards, with narration by Lady Whitmore, John Hero, Sean Moreau, Matthew Trevino, and Naomi Richards. Follow us on Instagram and on Twitter to stay up to date on all the latest with the Morbid Forest. Want to drop us a little love letter? Send it to themorbidforest at gmail.com. And if you want to help us keep the lights on, then head over to patreon.com slash themorbidforest and pick the traveler tier that is right for you. Our season finale is only two weeks away, May 24th, and I hope you guys are ready for it. It's going to be a little bit different than what we normally do here at the Morbid Forest, a little bit more serious and a little bit more just something different and i hope you guys are ready for it as always thanks for listening and we'll see you next week travelers on the morbid forest